0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas nine. Alistair Overeem versus Augusto Sakai and Shaq. is going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Two heavyweights in the main event, and Alistair Overeem, forty years old, but he doesn't want to retire without that UFC belt. And Augusto Sakai is quietly four uh, zero in the UFC. You no, know,
1: I think Augusto Sakai is one of the few guys from a uh, contender series to to make it to a main event. I know Shabazi and I think was the first one, uh, I believe. And you know he's got a tough test against the legend Overeem. I mean, Overeem. Reem's beating the who's who JDS, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar, Mark Hunt, uh, his last fight was crazy actually, which is good. I mean, he actually came back from adversity. Usually, you know, we see Reem get knocked out in spots like that. And, uh, you know, he was able to bounce back and, and get the win and Sakai, you know, maybe not necessarily the, uh, you know, the the most exciting career so far. And I know he knocked out Taibori really fast, but, I mean, he's gotten the job done in his four fights. So, you know, at heavyweight, things can move fast.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. One thing about Sakai is the guy goes out there and he wins fights and... You know, he's very tough to look good against. And uh, I feel like he's very underrated in the heavyweight division. But Overeem, always a tough out. Even if you beat Overeem, you're in for a serious fight, Shaq. Yeah,
1: man. Overeem's probably the most experienced heavyweight ever, man. I mean, he's got kickboxing fights, uh, all these uh, other world titles, not the UFC world title, but Strikeforce and Dream and all that. So, you know. Overeem's oh, done it man and 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 it's interesting cuz sometimes i feel like some matchups kind of can seem a little too easy to him and then he kind of like doesn't respect his opponent and then he gets knocked then he gets knocked out but uh man his last fight was very impressive how he came back so and, and not to mention i mean i know a lot of people think the uh i mean i don't think that but i know a lot of people think the Rosen strike fight shouldn't have been stopped so you know
0: I mean, if it wouldn't have been stopped, he would have <laughs> ate a couple of brutal follow-ups. So uh, I don't know what they're talking about. But, yeah, we'll get into Overy and Ms. Sakai here in a sec. Uh, first, got to let the fans to uh, make sure to go to best 5 to tail our plays. And, Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Cole Smith. He's 7-1, and one, and Hunter Azure is 8-1. and one. Currently, they got Hunter Azure minus 225. The comeback on Cole Smith is plus 185. So you got the long body in Cole Smith, you know, six foot tall for weight. You know he wants to backpack you. And Hunter Azure, you know, he's uh, known for his wrestling, interestingly enough. So I was actually mistaken last time I broke down a Hunter Azure fight. I said that he was a D1 wrestler. That's actually not true at all. Uh, someone messaged me and let me know uh, what the deal was. And I actually completely forget who it was because it was a while back. But they basically told me that, like, he uh had some kind of injury that prevented him from making the wrestling team or some shit so is so he comes from a wrestling family but he didn't actually wrestle in college but anyways they're matched up he's got a good calf kick game who you got
1: yeah man i think uh this is a a good fight because both guys took their first L, their last fights and and you know they're they're hungry um hunter Azori, you know he took that ko loss to uh Brian Kelleher, which is a pretty brutal KO loss, but we know Kelleher, man, to be fighting him in your second UFC fight, it is somewhat of a tough task, but I think it's because they slightly overrated Hunter Azura. I think he's a, a big, you know, powerful guy, and, I, and I'm glad you brought up the injuries thing because I heard that he had, like, three ACL surgeries, man, so
0: yeah.
1: I actually kind of think Hunter Azor in general is a bit overrated just due to the fact that like I've seen some fights of him on the local scene where he fought some you know lesser competition and he got dropped a couple times so the, that fight with Kellher didn't really surprise me that much and uh, and he's you know like I said the three ACL surgeries. so I think he's actually a guy I'm not going to say that's closer toward the, towards the tail end but I don't think you know he's the the prospect that this line would indicate. Now, I think Cole Smith is, you know, yeah, he's a little one-dimensional, you know, what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to get the takedown and try to get the back, but man, Hunter Azura has not proved to me that, you know, just for example, his fight with Brad Katona, he was able to get the win due, just due to the fact that he landed the harder shots uh, when they were out on the feet and that might very well happen in this spot too. So I understand why he's the favorite, but man, a two to one favorite where you against a guy like Cole Smith who, man, could easily back control him for around maybe even seven to eight minutes and hold on for, you know, the last round and win a decision. I, I I think there's some value on Cole Smith, man, and I'm actually taking him for the win. I, the Brad Katona fight, there was a long period of uh, time where, man, he got pressed against the fence. And I feel like, man, if Cole Smith gets in spots like that, he will take that back of Hunter Azor and, and kill the clock and possibly uh, get an upset here, man. I know he's got to worry about those big bombs from Hunter Azor, but I feel like they're a little telegraph, man. I feel like it's, uh, you know, kind of similar to the Johns fight pretty much. I mean, let's see if he can, uh, you know, actually get the nod this time. I think there's value on him, so I'm going to take him for the win.
0: Man, this is an interesting fight for a lot of reasons because Cole Smith, obviously, he's very unique in the sense that he's very, very tall for the weight class. And it's almost like a poor man's version of like Kiesa for 135. You know, if he takes your back, he's either going to choke you out or that round is over. You're not escaping his body triangle. So a lot of people are talking about how Hunter Azure is coming off this brutal knockout loss. I mean, I don't even factor that into my analysis because I'm not worried about Cole Smith's stand-up. I'm worried about him backpacking Hunter Azure and winning two of the rounds. But on the feet, I actually think it's Cole Smith that's very sketchy. I think that he got wobbled by Mitch Gagnonis in his debut. I think he got dropped by a jab against uh, Miles Johns. But Hunter Azure, man, uh, you know, he's very overrated, like you said. But, man, I think he throws with more volume. It just comes down to the scrambles here. If he can avoid getting backpacked, I think he comes out here and wins this fight. Does he avoid Does he avoid the backpack? I don't know. That's really what it comes down to. I know Katona even took his back. So. But, I mean, Katona's a guy that choked out Bryce Mitchell. So... Uh, it's a tough one. I lean with Azure. We'll see what happens. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pezao. He's 17 and six, and Alexander Romanov is 11 and 0. Currently, they got Alexander Romanov minus 130. The comeback on Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pezao is plus 110. So. You know, it's easy to look at Romano's regional footage and say stuff like, oh, he's tapping these guys out with forearm chokes. Like, that shit ain't going to work in the UFC. The thing is that Marcos Rogerio de Lima has a reputation of tapping out the things that aren't locked in. Just look at the Krylov fight. Uh, look at uh there's a couple ones. the Antigulov fight it was like yo <laughs> Marcos you know what I mean so look Marcos hits like a truck and on the feet if Romanov decides he wants to test his stand up on Saturday night there's a good chance he hits the deck but I mean this guy's a Moldovan wrestler I think he's gonna come out here mix into the takedowns and I think he only needs one takedown to finish this fight so I think he's gonna come out here pick up Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pezal slam him on the mat and then choke him out with some stuff that doesn't even look like it's locked in so or ground and pound him i go on uh, alexander romanov to get his first ufc win
1: yeah you know this is an interesting fight uh, i know pays he looked good his last fight against uh sasali and the issue with him man has always been the, like you said the submissions and these these quit jobs that he's done like struve and uh Krylov, OSP, and Antigolov, and these guys. So, yeah, man, that's, and, you know, when you're betting out, it's kind of it's kind of hard to trust him because you know that's a possibility, man, if, if they go to the ground. But, man, Romanov, to be honest, I really wasn't impressed at all. I think he's really sloppy on the feet. I think he leads in with kicks with his hands down. And uh, I think there's a good chance that he gets knocked out early, man. And I and I, I see uh, Pezal de Lima opened up the favorite. I'm actually thinking Pezal comes out. Here and gets that early stoppage, man. I feel like you know, uh romanovs you know, he's not a Russian. He's I think like he's got this repeat, uh this reputation, and I get it. You know, the Lima has had his mishaps on the map, but hey man, who better who better to get sub by than you know osp who's got like a, a shit ton of submissions? Uh you got Krylov's got a shit ton of subs, strew's got a shit ton of subs. So
0: Antigua I mean, you know, got a shit ton of su- uh, subs.
1: All these guys that he's lost to have a uh in Romano, man and, and and when I looked at some of the opponents, I was fighting, yeah they had good records on paper, but man when you dig into those records, man they, his scene was kind of sketch. Man, those dudes look like two oh fivers. I, I wasn't sold on Romanov at all, man. I'm actually gonna go with Paysal de Lima by first round KO.
0: Next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Montana De La Rosa. She's eleven and five, and Viviane Araujo is eight and two. Damn, she's only eight and two. I thought she was more experienced than that. Currently, they got Vivian Araujo, minus 175. The comeback on Montana De La Rosa is plus 155. This, this is another interesting fight because, you know, Vivian Araujo got called up to the UFC on short notice. She goes out there against Toledo Bernardo, and she doesn't just win the fight, Shaq. She knocks her out, one-punch knockout, and you don't often see that in the women's division. So right away, she stood out, and then the next fight against Alexis Davis, you know, she basically dominated the entire fight. I know she gave up one little position there in the second round but ended up uh, winning the fight anyways. And then the Jessica I fight, you know, she wasn't ready for the person that was ranked number one in the world at the time it is what it is right here against Montana De La Rosa I feel like Montana has been making a lot of improvements you know she's been flying under the radar and if she takes your back she's very very dominant from that position and I heard that she actually did this camp in elevation so I expect her cardio to be on point which is important because Vivi is known for gassing that second half of the fight but man I feel like Vivi has more intensity she's more violent she's actually more well rounded she hits harder and I feel like like, if she doesn't get choked out, if she doesn't give up her back, I think she's going to come out here and win this fight. So I'm going to lean with Vivian Araujo to get it done.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, Viviani just got... Yeah, like, it was just too much too soon, I guess, against uh, this guy who, you know, say what you want. She is a pro... I mean, she beat kagan you know what I'm saying? So she is uh, somewhat proven uh, a chick in that weight class. And, and uh, yeah, Viviani, you know, do I think she was uh, as good as uh, going, you know, into that fight? You know, and more so... You know, it was kind of Jessica, I missed weight by five pounds, so you're kind of thinking Viviani could come in here and slide and get this win, but, you know, it wasn't able to go her way. But yeah, man, the cardio is definitely a concern. She gas she she gassed in that Alexis Davis fight. It was just Alexis Davis is a stationary punching bag, and she was able to to you know stay stay upright enough and get the decision win. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, I feel like she's still not that comfortable on the feet. Yeah, she's making improvements. She is big, and I do like her in some of those clinch wrestling type of spots. She is a, a good wrestler, man. So I mean, maybe she can you know wear uh, on Vivian and get her tired. But I feel like Viviani, at least in the early goings is a lot faster way better footwork hits harder uh you know I feel like she can overwhelm Montana early on with the footwork it's just so Viviani's a little chinny herself she su- she suffered a KO loss on the uh on the local scene as well and i've seen her get dropped in another fight as well so that is a, a slightly a concern of hers as well but i feel like she's the more athletic like you said more intense and I, I feel like she'll get the win
0: now next up in the middleweight division and this is gonna be a hell of a fight because uh, they're gonna get right down to business we got a matchup between bartos the butcher fabinski he's 15 and three and andre muniz is 19 and four Currently, they got Bartosz Fabinski minus 160. The comeback on Andre Muniz is plus 140. Well, Shaq, I mean, this is how this fight's going to go down. Bartosz Fabinski is going to charge right at Andre Muniz the second the bell rings. And uh, do you know what Darren Stewart and Emil Meek have in common In, in the negative side? Not the positive side. The positive side is their exciting bangers. Do you know what the negative they have in common is, Shaq? They can't wrestle to save their fucking lives, and they don't have black belts in jiu-jitsu. You know what Andre Muniz has? He has a serious black belt. I know there's black belts, and then there's black belts, but Andre Muniz is a real, legitimate black belt, and Bartosz Wabinski is going to give Andre Muniz every single opportunity in the world to submit him. Now, it's also a case where you can make the opposite argument and say, well... Andre Muniz has no problem going to his back, so he's going to give Bartos every chance to grind this one out too. And I understand that. It's just a case where it's like Andre Muniz off his back like is attacking the entire time to a point where I don't think Bartos can just settle in position and just lay on him. I feel like he's going to be defending arm bars and triangles the entire time. Real arm bars and triangles not not you know throw one up and then quit I'm talking real arm bars and triangles his guillotines on point and also I would say Muniz is better standing Muniz I know he's a jujitsu guy but he throws heavy man he throws with some heat he's dropped some people before and I wouldn't actually be surprised if Muniz took Bartos down Muniz has some good offensive takedowns too so I think Bartos only has one path to victory which is to Hope to God he cannot get submitted here and then you know lay on a very gassed out fighter. But if that doesn't happen, he's getting submitted, he's getting knocked out, he's losing a decision. I'm gonna go with the first round submission. I got Andre Muniz for the upset.
1: Yeah, I mean look, Bartos is gonna take Andre Muniz down right away. We we already know this. So uh look, we you know, yeah, like you said, it's pretty cut and dry. Bartos is gonna come out here and take us down, and I, if I'm not mistaken, Andre Meniz ain't just a black belt. I think he might actually be a third degree black belt, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a uh, you know <laughs> an, an expert, and you know when you look at his fight against Taylor Johnson on the uh, contender series, it was kind of same. You know Taylor Johnson, big undefeated wrestler, came out dumped him right away, and Andre was threatening him with arm bars and triangles, and eventually took that back and. When he got on top of uh, Taylor Johnson, the fight was uh, <laughs> over shortly after. So, man, I could definitely see. So I feel like Muniz is the better overall guy. And, man, this guy's impressed me, man. I feel like, uh, you know, his jiu-jitsu, man, the way he, like, when I um, uh fought, What's his name? The Brazilian he fought? Uh, Arroyo. Yeah, Ant- uh, Antonio Arroyo, yeah. Antonio Arroyo, you know, whenever he got on top of my knees, like, you know, he would think that he was safe and he'd be looking to rest. And then out all of a sudden now he's getting swept and, you know, uh, it was, I'm not saying, you know, uh, but let's just say he kind of has like similar to like some flyweight transitions on the ground, man. He's like all over the place with the submission attempts, man. So I, I, th- I agree, man. I think like he can at least make Bartow stand up a couple of times or really put fear, but yeah, man, look, Bartos, if Bartos wins. It's not going to shock us, but man, I feel like he's going to really have to work. Darren Stewart doesn't have the threatening game. Uh, Emil Mech doesn't have that threatening game. Hector Urbina doesn't have that threatening game. And let's not forget the last, last time he fought a, a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, he got knocked out in the, in the very first round. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, André Meniz.
0: And let me just uh, bust a quick myth real quick because everyone keeps talking about, oh, this split decision that Muniz had with Arroyo. Guys, all three judges scored that fight 30-27. What split decision? So let's just go ahead and uh, debunk those uh, those rumors real quick because that fight was no split. That wasn't a back-and-forth fight. That was The guy is so dominant he can win a fight off his back. That's how good his jujitsu is. So I can't wait for this fight. Now, next up, In the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Tiago Moises. He's thirteen and four and Jalen Turner is nine and five. Currently they got Tiago Moises minus one sixty. The comeback on Jalen Turner is plus one forty. Listen, I had some choice words for Tiago Moises in the last breakdown, you know, before that fight with Michael Johnson. I said you know, I I hate to talk like this, but I don't think that he belongs in the UFC. And even though he officially won that fight, I feel like that kind of win, you know, that kind of finish is something that'll only happen to Michael Johnson. Like uh Michael Johnson beat Reza Madati's ass and then got submitted. Michael Johnson beat Darren Elkins' ass and then got submitted. Michael Johnson beat Thiago Moises' ass and then got submitted. So, I mean, it's like how, how many times is that kind of shit going to happen? You, you know what I'm saying, Shaq? I don't I think that was I mean if it w- it was a fluke, okay? It was a fluke. It is what it is. You know, and, and the strike count was 26 to 1. And not only that, You consider that a win then you look at his losses in the UFC against Benil and Demir and it's like I understand Benil and Demir are top 15 guys I completely get that but like Tiago didn't even show anything in those fights like Tiago just looks like he doesn't belong and then the one fight that he actually won in the UFC the Kurt Holubo fight Shaq me and you know the deal with Kurt Holubo why he doesn't win any UFC fights I mean it's no secret why his fight against Matt Bissette which he officially won by first round knockout is a no contest because Kurt Holubo needs an IV and everybody knows that they banned the IVs so after he knocked out Matt Bissette in the first round they overturn it and that and he looked amazing in that fight by the way then he comes to the UFC can't win a single fight because he can't use the IVs anymore so you know uh, Thiago Moises barely got past a no IV Kurt Holubo and that's his one real UFC win I mean the Michael Johnson well come on guys now with Jalen Turner he's actually a guy that like I was very low on, and he's been proving me wrong. He's been making improvements, and I feel like he's got a lot of potential. You know, because if you watch some of his regional fights, I mean, he was taking unnecessary punches from a lot of these guys. He's getting knocked out by nobodies. It was almost like, hey, you know, he's six three. He's got the seventy seven inch reach, but you know, maybe he just ain't that guy. But like, I feel like he might be that guy. He's just young, man, and I feel like he's been improving every single fight. Look. UFC debut he goes in there with Vicente Luque which is like I you know I love his manager but I, and maybe they just needed any opportunity for him to get in the big show but it's like why are you fighting Vicente Luque in your UFC debut but anyways after such a vicious knockout we already assume hey he'll never be the same but he goes in there with Calen Potter and before everyone laughs cuz you know I mentioned Calen Potter hey all of Callan Potter's fights, he had moments in except the Jalen Turner fight. The Mackie Pitola fight was this back-and-forth fight. The Keenan Song fight, the first minute of the fight, Callan Potter full mounts Keenan Song, and then eventually he gets knocked out. Against Jalen Turner, he, he didn't do shit. He got, he got mopped against Jalen Turner. And then the next fight against Matt Frivola, which we are at in Atlanta, Georgia. Look, Matt Frivola is a serious wrestler. He's actually got a real wrestling background, something Moises doesn't have. And more importantly, he chains his takedowns together, which Moises doesn't do. Moises shoots from a mile away, and if he doesn't get the first, he's not going to shoot again for a while and I felt like Jalen Turner, there were a couple things I didn't like, you know, going for the guillotine instead of the underhooks, but I felt like he showed a relatively decent get-up game. He's not some fish out of water off his back either, and I feel like he's decently well-rounded. He's improving, then that next fight against Kulabao, he treated that guy like he didn't belong at all, and those are the kind of performances I need to see that are proof that he's been improving, and I think here against uh, Tiago Moises, he's going to light this guy up. He's going to stuff the takedowns, use that seven-inch reach advantage, and maybe knock him out maybe win a decision but this stuff with Moise's you know looking like he doesn't belong this is nothing new shack I mean I know you remember that Robert watley fight or that Jason Nye fight on the regional scene this has been going on for years uh so I I got Jalen Turner for the upset
1: yeah man this is uh one of the fights I'm you know looking the most forward to you know you made some uh some good points there but you know like you know I I feel like uh you know Jalen Turner he's got a a lot of athletic, you know, 6'3", long southpaw, you know, all that good offensive striking, uh, Moises backs up a lot. So, you know, I definitely think from the betting side of things, there's some value. Um, Moises, definitely not that high on them, but at the same time, man, for, both, for in both of these guys, man, they were both young in some of these spots, and, you know, I feel like they just couldn't lose the potential. So on the flip side, you know, Jalen Turner – that Frivola fight, the, the things that worry me is like, you know, you know, Frivola, Frivola's been swimming with these six, three guys. He's actually about to fight, uh, another one here soon. But, uh, you know, I think that it kind of worries me how easily Frivola was able to get his arms around Jalen's neck and how every time he got, he shot in on the single. I mean, he pretty much got it, but yeah, Jalen Turner, I don't think like, uh, he's going to get like, it takes one time for him to get submitted. I think he can, uh, He can fight, he can fend off some submissions. It's just that you got to respect Moise's submission ability. I mean, he submitted emmers on the local scene. He submitted some guys uh, out there on the local scene. And if Jalen Turner kind of occasionally will make these, you know, what I didn't like in the Frivola fight was how he wasn't pulling the trigger when he was backing him up, man. I felt like he could have been throwing a lot more. I felt like, you know, he was letting Frivola even catch him with some overhand rights. And I feel like it's kind of a... A common theme. And you know, you want to talk about uh Tiago Moises' wins, you know, being, you know, flukes. I feel like Jalen Turner's wins really I I think they were nice, but Josh Kulabau, let's just be honest, here is a 45 er and he's about to lose his second fighter here again. He's fighting uh Air Jordan, like you know, uh Josh Kulabau ain't UFC caliber in my opinion, and neither is Callan Potter. So, you know, uh I feel like Jalen Turner still has something to prove. Uh, I feel like it's a 50-50 fight, man. I would not be shocked if Moises, e- not saying that he's going to knock him out, but I feel like even though he got absolutely embarrassed against Isma Gulov, I feel like, yeah, he landed a couple overhand rights. Like, he actually, like, kind of hurt Isma Gulov at one point. I mean, look, if you put Isma Gulov in there with Jalen Turner, the fight's going to be over really, fast, <laughs> really fast. Like, J- Jalen Turner, yeah, he's gotten to a couple nice wins, but the Matt Frivola fight, he did not pull the trigger when he walked Frivola down, and he got taken down a bunch of times and gave up his back a bunch of times, so I actually think Moises is, is is the rightful favorite, and he actually opened up, like, an over two-to-one favorite, like, I, I see why you would take turns, he's got some good physical advantages, but, man, something about me, something in my gut tells me, like, man, he's still a little shaky, man, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that, uh, and I heard he was also 193 pounds at the beginning of quarantine, so, you know, uh, I know he's having a big weight drop but I'm actually gonna go with Moises man I think he submits him I'm gonna say uh, first round
0: now next up in the featherweight division we got a matchup between Brian Kelleher he's 21 and 11 and Kevin Natividad is 9 and 1 currently they got Brian Kelleher minus 230 the comeback on Kevin Natividad is plus 190 Shaq uh you know keller is one of these guys that he's great as an underdog i mean as an underdog against yuri against uh he had a couple other upsets Ode osborne even against azure he goes out there and when you count this guy out he'll win but when you rely on him as a big favorite I- i've seen him upset more than once so what do you think man you you think this newcomer can come out here and get the dub yeah uh, yeah i think keller is too experienced for this guy i
1: mean this guy he's a decent striker, decent everywhere. I just think Kelleher, man, you put him in here with these young, like Azores and O'Day Osbournes, these, these, you know, debuting level guys. Then that's where you see Kelleher start to uh, really start to put a beating on dudes, man. I think Kelleher's just a, you know, a tough journey, man. But trust me, if you like, you saw what happened with O'Day Osborne, he was tapping, uh, he was tapping the mat with his foot. But if you put Kelleher in there with you know, Cody Staman and uh, what was supposed to be his fight? Ricky Simon. Yeah, he's going to lose those, you know, but uh, and Montel Jackson, you know, he'll lose those. But, you know, you put him in there with Cheeto Vares and shit like that, but you put him in there with, you know, Hunter Azor and uh, O'Day Osborne and Kevin Navadat. I actually got Brian Kelleher by uh, a, a guillotine finish this weekend.
0: Man, I like this kid, Kevin Natividad, man. Uh, He comes to bang. He's very, very exciting. He'll stand and trade the entire time. He does get hit a lot, but he also hits you a lot. He walks forward the entire time, and usually, I mean, he gets knockout wins. So if Brian Kelleher, you know, took his foot off the gas because Ricky Simone pulled out the fight, if Brian Kelleher thinks this is a joke, if he underestimates this guy, uh, this is a spot where he could get upset. So I would not be surprised to see Kevin Natividad even come out here and knock out a guy like Kelleher. I think he throws with that kind of power. I think he's ready for the UFC right now. I don't think this is some random newcomer. But that being said, I do have to side with the experience of Kelleher, so I'm going to pick him here. But I actually do kind of think it's a dog or pass situation. I do not trust Kelleher at the chalk price. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Michelle Demolidor Pereira, he's 23 and 11. And Zalim Borz Imadayev is 8 and 2. Currently, they got Michelle Pereira minus 115 and Zalim Imadayev minus 105. So, Shaq, we were at Imadayev's UFC debut. And, you know, considering his regional experience where, you know, he knocked out all these guys that, you know, you know, a bunch of guys with losing records and this and that. He actually got to go three rounds with Max Griffin, and I know Max Griffin has a losing record, but Max Griffin usually just loses tough decisions to really tough guys, like to Zaleski, to Alex Cowboy, to... Like, Max Griffin is a tough fight despite his record, is what I'm trying to say. So, it goes to that majority decision. Then he has the fight with Hot Chocolate, and I know officially it says uh, that he was knocked out in the second round, and boy, was he knocked out in the second round, but... I felt like up until that point, he was kind of winning the fight. And I felt like he looked a lot better in the Danny Roberts fight than he did in the Max Griffin fight. So do you think he can kind of, you know, improve even more and come out here and beat, uh, you know, the very unpredictable Pereira?
1: This is a, uh interesting fight, man, because I- I've been saying for a while, man, I don't feel like... Uh Imadiyev's UFC caliber, you know, uh, he beat nobody on his local scene, and just the things you hear about him that, you know, he likes to beat up his training partners, you know, and just, like, even both of them, really, like, you know, both of these guys are liabilities to lose points, especially Imadiyev, like, Imadiyev grabs the fence, like, so many times throughout his fights, and, uh, and the, so, you know, you bring it, I like how you brought up this Max Griffin fight, man. I feel like he got too much steam from that fight when I actually picked hot chocolate in the, uh, second fight by knockout, I, I wish I would have better. I think it was like plus plus one eighty, but like, I feel like he got too much steam from that Max Griffin fight. Max Griffin. I know he's had some, you know, tough fights with the, like he beat Perry, Elizu and this and Curtis or whatever this and that. But like I feel like Max Griffin man is on his way out. A matter of fact, Max Griffin's next fight I think he fought Alex Murano and I bet on Alex Murano because I was like, dude, I'm telling you, bro, Max Griffin, I think he's like three and six in the UFC and I forget he's actually got a fight. I forget who he uh is fighting, but I feel like uh, Max Griffin, honestly, in a, in a couple months, will no longer be a UFC fighter. I feel like he's a tough guy, but I feel like Imadiyev got too much steam from that fight. Max Griffin had no offense no offense striking in that fight. Imadiyev was able to just walk forward and throw, and he still couldn't get the, the weathered old journeyman out of there, man. Uh, and then you go into the fight where you actually fight someone that's going to throw back on him, and he and he got countered and he got knocked out. Well, I will say Imadiyev, the advantage he has in this fight with Pereira is he is a you know, he does press, he does push forward, and he probably does have better cardio. It's just that as he fights with his hands down, the guy's super chinny. And like, he and even when he does get these takedowns, his, the guys pop right back up on him. Uh, but he is—he does press. I will give him that. He is does move forward. But I just feel like if somebody has any type of offense coming back on him, this guy can be countered and be put to sleep, man. I feel like there's so many openings. And Hot Chocolate... You know, Bambi legs. My, I, I, love, I, I love hot chocolate, but hot chocolate's got Bambi legs, and he and you know, and he slept them. And I feel like when Michelle Pereira. Yeah, he does a lot of dumb shit, and he uses a lot of energy, and he cuts a, a shit ton of weight. But I feel like, man, this guy should be 2-1 and one in the UFC. I just watched his fight with Diego. Diego worked his system, props to him, get your get your uh, extra six figures. You know, I know you got a family to feed, but Michel Pereira dominated that fight from start to finish. He was on the verge of finishing him. I honestly feel like he, he got screwed out of a win there. I feel like, you know, he made a mistake. You know, Diego was squirming around against the fence. And he accidentally was down. Uh, there was no fouls committed prior to that. And I feel like he should have got the win. Uh, and I feel like he's just capable more than Zalim Imadaev. I The only... Advantage I see Emadiev having is he pushes, he pushes, and he will press. But when they get out in space, and Emadiev, and then I'm and I'm interested to see if he's gonna push because he just got knocked out. And I'm like, man, if he backs up in this fight, he has no technique to stand toe to toe with Mitchell Pereira. And I feel like Michelle Pereira, off these two losses, last fight on his contract, is gonna come out here a little more serious than usual and get the win. So I actually think he's gonna put Emadiev down uh, somewhat early, man. I feel like Emadiev a tough guy but he doesn't have the technique. I feel like he doesn't have the jiu-jitsu to hold anyone down. I feel like he got too much steam in that Max Griffin fight, and then, you know, he got knocked out his next fight. So uh, I'm going to go with the Michelle Pereira, barring he doesn't do anything stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's one of these cases where, you know, people talk about how, oh, they're finally throwing a Michelle Pereira a bone. They're finally giving him a gimme fight. It's like, guys, Tristan Connolly is a gimme fight. Diego Sanchez in 2020 is is a gimme fight. So I kind of think Zalim is better than those guys. And I, I feel like Zalim it's a case where, look, he's 25 years old. He fought absolutely nobody on his regional scene, comes to the UFC, fights Max Griffin. And even though, you know, Max Griffin is three and six, I mean, every fight he loses goes to decision. So for the most part, right, he hasn't been finishing the UFC, I don't think. So every single fight has been a tough fight. Then the next one against Hot Chocolate, I did see improvements. It's just, the result was that he got knocked out. But, like, up until the knockout, I saw nine minutes of improvement. So I actually think that he's got better hands than Michelle Pereira. It's just a thing where, like, Pereira, he's got this very stabbing front kick. He's got a beautiful flying knee. He's uh he's so goddamn athletic. But, like, you cannot trust this guy to do what you want him to do so i kind of feel like zalim's gonna walk him down and probably knock him out in the first round kind of like dusko did uh you know to Dorovich. i know that was at 85s but i do like zalim's fo- uh, forward pressure and his hands aren't bad either it's just a matter of developing even more because you know again he's just a kid never fought anybody on the regional scene his last two fights are the only real people he's ever fought so that's all he's got to build off of really but uh again, when people talk about throw this kid a bone, like his last two fucking fights were bones and he lost to both of them. And and I agree with you. I thought that, The Diego Sanchez fight in that finishing sequence, I felt like they could have kind of gave Michelle a break there. I felt like he was kind of throwing the knee as Diego was going down. I didn't think it was that bad. Like live, I was like, oh, my God, what a fucking idiot. But when I rewatched it yesterday, I actually didn't think it was that bad. But even prior to that, the fact that we got to that point in the third round really scares me because it's like, dude, you're supposed to finish Diego in the first round in 2020. You're supposed to go out there and highlight reel this guy, and I I, I didn't like some of the stuff I was seeing. A lot of inactivity. Um, you know he tried to, you know, too many backflips in the Connolly fight and too little backflips in the Diego fight. Right, so I don't know. It's a tough one to call. I'm gonna go with Liam Emadiah by first round knockout. Now co oh, not co main event featured bout we got Sajara Eubanks. she's 5 and 4 and Carol Hosa is 13 and 3 currently they got Carol Hosa minus 130 the comeback on Sajara Eubanks is plus 110 i mean i know their records say one's 13 and 3 one's 5 and 4 but it's a little bit misleading sajara Eubanks is a lot better than uh than her record states i mean she's got wins over lauren murphy who is a top 5 fighter in her division uh You know, she's got head kick knockouts on the Ultimate Fighter. She's got a black belt under Lloyd Irvin, so... Sejar so Eubanks is no slouch at all. But Carl Hosa. if you're a drafting player, you know exactly who Carl Hosa is because she's going out there scoring 100-plus points both of her fights. I mean, she's landed 170 sig- significant strikes in her fight uh, against Procopio, and everyone thinks it was this fluke, like, oh, they don't know how to count the numbers. And then she goes out there the next fight and lands over 100 significant strikes there too. So this girl is an output machine. It's just this is a step-up in competition, Shaq. So you think she can come out here and uh, you know have that same big output against? someone like sarge
1: yeah you know it's definitely a step up from uh vanessa Mello and uh, and pro procopio and sajara eubanks you know she's lost what two out of her last three or uh you know so i feel like sajara eubanks you know she's good everywhere good boxing uh black belt on the mat you know that's a, a aspect you got to be uh i'm interested to see if she's able to take down Carosa. Uh, man, but I actually like Carol Rosa a lot. Man, I feel like she's very talented. I feel like she throws a, the volume on the strikes, and what I really like is the calf kick that she's got. Man, she attacks that uh, low kick pretty much after every single combination. Man, and uh, you know, Sajara Eubanks. Man, at one point I was actually somewhat high on her, but this is my issue with Sajara Eubanks. I feel like, man, she is somewhat of a front runner. I feel like when I feel like you know when you look at her wins they all have one common theme they're dominant but anytime there's like a, a you know a, a little bit of pushback and at least especially since she's moved back up to 135 I feel like she was a little bit of a weight bully at 125 man I feel like she was able to just physically dominate girls and hold them down and uh you know have these wins over and I, I feel like Lauren Murphy is a completely different fighter now Roxanne Mataferi I mean you know big whoop and uh you know I just feel like Sajara Eubanks, when fights get tough, especially in that Betch Correa fight, who was like a slow, I mean, that should have been your fight right there. I know it was in Mexico elevation, but Betch is slow, hittable. I mean, you dominated the first round and then you completely shut down. And I feel like Sajara is in a very emotional person, a very emotional fighter. And I feel like in that fight, she got carried away with the, you know, the twerking and the, you know, all this stuff they were doing in the middle of the cage. And I feel like, man, she's a little bit mental. I feel like when the going gets tough, she kind of slows down and she kind of breaks. Now, Carol Rocha, she has been submitted more than one time on back in the local scene. So it is somewhat of a worry. I just feel like if this fight stays standing, Carol Rocha is going to land more strikes. I feel like she's going to mix it up a little bit better. And I feel like, you know, uh, her gym, uh, her and Draj uh priscilla you know they they got heart man they come to bang and i feel like when the going gets tough they're gonna be a little tougher so i'm actually gonna go with carol rosa to to get this unanimous decision
0: so uh real quick uh two uh pieces of mma news for you ray borg just announced that he's coming out of retirement after announcing his retirement last week and uh mike rodriguez is fighting ed herman next week so just wanted to throw that out there but anyways back to this matchup sajar eubanks versus carol hosa uh yeah it's definitely a step up in competition for carol hosa you know eubanks she's got the black belt under lloyd Irvin. she's been in there with a lot of tough people she was actually supposed to fight for a ufc title at one point she might have even been a ufc champion if she got in there with nico montano you know you know what i'm saying Shaq? so she missed out on that opportunity Um, but man, Carl Hossa, that output is absolutely unbelievable, you know? So to me, it's really not even about how they match up. To me, it's about, Hey, it's a week short notice, you know, after that win against Melo, did she go straight to the Brazilian steakhouse or was she back in the gym the next Monday? You know, has she been training? Is anybody going to miss weight tomorrow? I got a lot of questions about that because if you give me, the best version of Carl Hosa, she's not just going to win this fight, but she's going to extend her, you know, significant strike record. You know, go out there, score a hundred plus points on DraftKings again, stuff the takedowns, do the whole bit. Maybe even get some takedowns of her own. Shack. It's just that if we're dealing with a compromised uh, Carl Hosa, and the reason I even bring up that possible scenario, which we have no proof if she's good or not, it's just because you know it's a week short notice. She's a bigger girl for the weight class, traveling from Brazil. So I'm just curious, you know, if she's 100% here. So if she is, or even if she's 90%, I think she comes out here and she beats Sarge. And Sarge is very tough. She's going to give her a real fight. I'm curious to see what happens if Sarge gets some takedowns of her own. But at the end of the day, I just see, you know, in those moments where Sarge is trying to take a break, that's where I see Carl Hosa still, you know, letting out that that volume, that output the entire time. And I actually expected more from Sarge in that last fight against uh against Sarah Moras. I know you expected more in the Kohea in the fight, and it's like, yeah, okay, you know, Kohea, former title challenger, been in there with a bunch of tough women, like, okay, we'll give you a pass there, but here's Sarah Moras. Go out there and destroy her. And I know the scorecards officially say 30-27, but I, I was expecting a ground-and-pound TKO, Shaq. So, yeah, I, I've been kind of let down by Sarge a little bit. So I'm going to go with Carl Hosa here. I think she out-volumes her, out her, but uh, let's pay attention to the scales on Friday co main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division we got a matchup between Ovince St. Pru OSP he's 24 and 14 and Alonzo Menafield is 9 and 1 now you can hear our breakdown on this uh, you know 2 weeks ago when they were originally supposed to fight Shaq picked Alonzo Menafield I picked OSP but Shaq uh, this ain't the first time you know when, when when people talk about well if they fight 10 times if they fight 100 times it could be a different outcome every time this is one of those times where we have to you know talk like that because a couple of weeks ago, I had OSP confidently. I felt like, hey, you know, he cut down a 205 nicely. Go ahead, take this guy down. But you're telling me now he's got to do a second weight cut, plus he had a COVID scare? That that kind of makes me hesitant here. So I'm not really sure what to think anymore. Have, have your thoughts on the fight changed at all?
1: Um, You know, I feel like uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into, you know, COVID talk or none of that. But, you know, I feel like some of it could be be overblown some of it couldn't be who knows but you know uh, I feel like uh, as far as the matchup goes I feel like Menafield, you know he did lose to Clark and Clark's a, a middle of the pack type of guy but man I feel like uh, Menafield honestly kind of got two KOs off a of dude spinning it was kind of it was kind of weird like both his UFC knockouts Mamouche has no striking so I can't put that much stock into that you know I mean, if you can't knock out uh, Mamouche, I don't know what to tell you. And then, uh, and then his fight with uh, Paul Craig. You know, I actually felt like Paul Craig was landing volume, picking him off at range. And and I feel like Menafil can get very stiff. So the Clark fight, honestly, I first, like, going in, I was like, man, I feel like is going to kill him. But when I was watching tape, I was like, man, Menafil, you could tell if the fight progresses the fight progresses he will get stiff and he will start to slow down so uh you know this fight with Clark it, it was surprising cuz he actually stuffed all the takedowns which was which was uh what I was worried about but it was like the striking man. He kind of just was swinging sloppy, and it was like, man, is this is this really the the version of Menafield? You know, once fights get deep, uh, man, you know, I will say for him, and luckily for him, OSP fights with his hands down, so he's gonna get a uh, he's gonna get a good crack at his chin, and OSP's been wobbled and hurt several times. But there's no denying OSP's seen, uh, you know, a side of this game that Menafield hasn't seen yet, man. And Menafield's still getting better. I think Menafield, you know, has the higher ceiling, but OSP probably more experience slightly better overall now uh man i kind of want to change my pick but man a part of me also says was this Devin clark fight just a learning lesson that he needed to have because i also heard he wasn't running his miles after he uh after he got that fifty thousand dollars from ko and paul craig stiff so that could also be a factor so i i'm actually gonna stick with menifield but i'm gonna say it close close fight i actually think it might go three rounds We'll see, man, but, uh, you know, menafield I mean, he, he's, he's got a lot to prove, man, because if he, because, man, if he loses this, then, you know, that's two L's in a row, and then maybe he's not the prospect we all thought he was.
0: Uh, It's such a tough fight for me to call. I mean, the reason I even bring up that COVID shit is because, like, does that mean that he took days off from training? And you already know with a guy like Vince, we want him running his miles every single day because, you know, he does have a tendency to slow down as well. It's not just Alonzo that has, a you know, the cardio issue. And it's not a cardio issue. I mean, I guess it was a cardio issue last time because he admitted, like, even his girlfriend was giving him shit like Zoe, like, I know you just got that 50k, but why why are you skipping your your runs? And I think it was like what we were talking about, man. You know, he's at the gym. Ryan Spann already destroyed Devin Clark, so they're probably joking, like, oh, you get to fight this bum. You know what I mean? So he probably thought it was this big joke. You know, he thought he could touch anyone one time. They go unconscious. He had to realize, like, hey, this is the UFC. You got to train for every opponent. So I think I expect the best, Alonzo Menifield. I think he's gonna get better every single fight. It's just, is he ready for this right now? But I really am worried about two ways cuts for osb man like coming down from 240 pounds you know to make that cut to 205 one time is one thing in itself then to do it again two weeks later i feel like that could drain his gas tank in the later rounds um So it's like I'm not as confident as I was the first time, but I'm not going to switch my pick. I'm going to stick with O Vince. I think if he can get past this first round, not get knocked out, you can take this to the man. And I know actually Alonso has some underrated takedown defense. He stuffed most of the takedowns his last fight until the third round. But uh, even though I think on paper Devin Clark might have a better, you know, wrestling background or uh, or credentials than uh, O Vince, I think O Vince is better at wrestling for MMA. I mean, it's – i mean one guy got a title shot one guy didn't i think that OSP is a much better fighter than devin clark uh, i mean it's facts he's been you know top five top ten his entire career devin clark barely even scratched the rankings so this is a step up in competition for alonzo it's one he can pass i'm not sure if he does i'm gonna go with Ovince. vince it's not gonna surprise me either way but let's tune into the scale let's see if either guy misses weight I- i'm curious about that too uh i, I would not be surprised to see uh, OSP weigh in at 208. Not because he's unprofessional, but again, bro, two weight cuts in two weeks. That's a big deal. So let's see what happens. Main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We got a matchup between Alistair, the ream, over ream. He's 46 and 18, and Augusto Sakai is 15 and 1. Currently, they got Alistair over ream minus 150. The comeback on Augusto Sakai is plus 130. Shaq, I mean, I feel like I'm awful at calling over him fights, man, because it's like, you know, he's skill wise. He's arguably the best fighter on planet Earth, man. I mean, when he gets off on his combos, it's absolutely beautiful. He's well-rounded. He can mix in takedowns. He can do the whole bit. He's got all the experience in the world offensively speaking you can't say too many bad things about him at all it's just defensively you know i mean obviously he's been knocked out a million times but he's also lost the guys that he's significantly better than like i think that alistair overeem is better than bigfoot silva across the board i think he's better than travis brown everywhere i think His skills are far superior than, uh, you know, Ben Rothwell. I think he's even better than Jerzien strike. I think that is just one of these things where that chin is a massive liability. And i got to give him credit to get knocked out as many times as he does, and he always gets back up on the horse and tries again. Like, that's admirable, and it's like he's not even, like, stuttering or slurring his words either. Like, he, he's an enigma, my man. Like, it's interesting to see a guy like that because, like, anybody else gets knocked out 16 times, and, you know, they're going to start talking, and you can barely understand a word they say, you know what I mean, Shaq? But, like, this dude picks himself back up and gets back on win streaks. It's pretty fucking impressive. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for that. Augusto Sakai has been flying under the radar, man. He's a very talented Muay Thai guy. We've actually known about him for a long time, you know, since his Bellator days. Uh undefeated in the UFC. He's taking the right opponents to get to this uh to get to this point. You think he's ready to pass the biggest test of his career?
1: Yeah, man. This is definitely a step up. Overeem, you know, not only is he one of the most experienced, most decorated heavyweights, he he's also one of the most richest. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, my boy Overeem, man, he's a He's a mogul pretty much, man. The guy's got a following uh that can't be taught by a lot of guys. Maybe even Stepe, man. Like Overeem's a star, man. Uh so this fight with Sakai, Sakai, I feel like uh I feel like, man, a lot of people are betting on Sakai, you know, he's new. And he's a fresh face and, you know, uh, so, you know, that is somewhat of a worry, you know, betting, betting wise, man, Overeem, I feel like his biggest issue is that he admires his work too much, man. I catch Overeem. There's so many times after Overeem throws where he's just hanging in the pocket with his hands down. Now he gets a, lately he's been getting a lot better. He plays these safe game plans, you know, the shell against the fence, the, you know, don't, you know, two, three punches at a time. Don't exchange too much. And, you know, man, I still feel like, like you said, the chin is is still a huge, just look at his last fight and let me get into his last fight. You know, we know what Walt Harris was dealing with going into the fight. And at one point, you know, I think everyone was like, oh, man, Walt might be easy money. You know, know, there's no way he's going to lose this. But a big red flag for me was Walt's weight gain, you know, in between the uh, Alexi and the Arlovsky fights and the uh, Overeem fight. He gained like eight or nine pounds, man. He usually weighs in like, you know, 257. For the Reem fight, he came in like at the limit. So, you know, once I saw that, I was like, man, he – Let's see what happens, you know, Uh, and, you know, he was able to drop Overeem early, but then the second Overeem survived, uh, and I feel like that was due to somewhat Walt not, you know, being in fully tip-top shape, you know, that was at the beginning of all this, so uh, Overeem, I feel like, man, (laughs) nine out out of ten times, he would have got stopped there, but I give him credit for hanging in there and uh, and you know you know gathering himself and getting the win. I just feel like man, if you let Augusto Sakai wobble you like that, you already saw what happened when uh, he hurt when he when he got my boy Tyber hurt. The fight was over very quickly, and I feel like Sakai kind of a lot most of the time. The version you see of him is kind of playing a methodical muay thai game. You know, po- trying to point fight from the outside, kind of like his last fight, kind of like the Arlovsky fight, uh, kind of like the Chase Sherman fight up until knocked him out but I feel like man like he's got his size can kind of walk over him down against when you talk about Augusto Sakai Shin he's never been uh knocked out in in MMA and this is definitely going to be the hardest but man I've seen him take like full KO blows (laughs) and be completely fine man like I know Arlowski isn't the hardest hitter but Arlowski's a lot faster than him and you know Arlowski gives some of these guys trouble and he, he caught uh Sakai you know, a couple times and Sakai was completely fine. I know Overeem's got more power. I know he also knocked out Arlovski, but I feel like Sakai's got a very underrated chin, man. I haven't really seen him, you know, stumble, get hurt, drop, none of that, man. So, and in, I'm talking in his entire career. So I feel like this guy's a real methodical Muay Thai striker. I feel like he's going to come out here, get the upset win. I mean, I feel like he can stuff the takedowns. Uh, Got to be worried in that clinch. I mean, but, man, his tie back run, he's solid everywhere. I wouldn't say he's the most exciting. I feel, I feel like he's gone under the radar a little bit. But I think he's going to come out here and get this upset, man. I feel like he's going to come out here and knock Alistair out, I'm going to say, uh, in the third round.
0: You know, I'm really glad you brought up Walt Harris's weight because obviously that's a huge factor. You know, he was dealing with some stuff. He was kind of a little bit overweight for his standards that last fight. Now, the opposite of that is Augusto Sakai because you look at his fight against uh, Andre Arlovsky. He actually comes in there 266, but then the very next fight against Marcin Tybora comes in 258. So this is actually a guy who has been working on his weight. And shout out to my boy Dan Tom. He actually told me that Augusto Sakai used to be like a competitive runner. So, you know, he uh, he's no stranger to deep waters in terms of, you know, the cardiovascular and all that stuff. Uh, The guy can the guy can run miles, Shaq. And I actually didn't know that. So that probably makes me think that, you know, when he's out of camp, the guy probably weighs like 300 pounds. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So uh, Augusto Sakai is a big boy. And obviously I like his Muay Thai technique a lot. You know, um, I think we've been higher on him than most. I think a lot of people are down on him because. The fights can seem kind of slow-paced, but if you actually look at the numbers, he's got a very high output, man, and his defense is on point. I like the calf kicks, the knees, just all the Muay Thai techniques, and I, I think it's a case where Alistair Overeem, look, Alistair Overeem can knock anyone out, but I think if Alistair Overeem wants to secure a win, he needs to take Augusto Sakai down and smash him, and augusto sakai we're not exactly quite sure what happens when he's on the mat i know in bellator he lost that fight where he got wrestled against czech and i know against ivanov he grabbed the fence which hey beautiful job like you know if the ref it's ref's discretion so if the ref doesn't take a point good job you know you usually can get away with one until they they take a point depends where you are if you're here in atlanta with george allen uh he'll he'll take a point right away he won't even give you a warning but Whoever was refing that night gave him the warning. So, beautiful job. Just do whatever you can to get a W. That's what this is all about. So, I'm curious to see what happens with this wrestling defense because I know that Overeem's been training in elevation in Denver with Curtis Blades. I know... Uh, that they've been uh, working extensively on his wrestling. and That's another thing I respect about Overeem. You know, he does, his ego isn't so big to where, you know, after he loses to a guy, he can't go train with the guy. You know, I mean, after he lost to Blades, he goes out to Colorado and trains with him. So I really respect that quality um, in Overeem. But here, man, I feel like if he can't get this to the mat and smash him, I mean, he does have a knockout chance, but the durability of Sakai is really on point. I feel like Sakai is going to be the one that probably knocks him out. He's got 25 minutes to do so, so... Yeah, somewhere along the way, I do think he catches over him. But up until that point, I think they kind of have like a little bit of a chess match on the feet. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, what is the fight to watch for UFC on ESPN 34?
1: I got to go with uh, Zalim Imadiyev versus Michelle Pereira, man. Uh, You know, you got both guys hungry. Last fight on contract. This is it. This is a loser goes home fight. This is stamped, you know. uh, Both guys last fight on the contract. So, you know, uh, losers going home. Both guys are hungry. We know what the type of excitement Pereira brings. We know Imadiyev will push forward. He likes to press. So I think uh, both these guys are going to get in the middle. And, uh, you know, I I do see someone getting finished. So that is uh, my fight
0: to watch. Yeah, definitely one of the fights to watch. For me, my fight to watch is Andre Muniz versus Bartos Fabinski because, listen, we don't know who's going to win the fight and we don't know the outcome, but what we do know is that they are going to clash as soon as the bell rings. Bartos is going to go right after Muniz, and Muniz has that beautiful jiu-jitsu in his back pocket. He's going to look to use that right away. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this is going to be a fight the second the bell rings. There's not going to be a feel-out process. They're not going to be circling around staring at each other. They're gonna, the ref's going to say, go, and these two are going to get into a fight. So for that reason, Andre Mooney's versus Bartosz Fabinski is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 9?
1: My father to watch is uh, in the main event, Augusto Sakai, man. He's got an opportunity to get a serious name under his belt. He's already got, you know, guys like Andre Arlovsky and Blagoje Ivanov on his resume. Now it's time to go out there and get Alistair over him because you know what happens when you beat over him. If you beat over him... I mean, that means you're a fight away from the title. So, you know, if Augusto Sakai gets this win, you can expect him to see him in there against Strike or, you know, one of these guys, man. So I feel like this is, is the biggest fight of his career. He's made it a long way from it back uh, in his Bellator days. And, you know, he, if he were to win this main event, he'd be the first one from Contender Series to win the main event. I know Edmund fell short. Shout out to Brunson. That was a hell of a, a hell of a performance. I know people are saying Edmund uh, pulled a stunt there, but you know it was just experience, man. Uh, let's see if the experience uh, is a factor for Overeem.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and what's different about a guy like Sakai than a guy like Edmund Shabazian is most of Edmund Shabazian's wins were first-round finishes, whereas Sakai's experience going to those deep waters, he knows what it's like to go three rounds multiple times and be in bad spots and do the whole bit. So I think he's a little bit more seasoned than Edmund Shabazi. Now it's about, is he ready to fight a guy on this level in Alistair Overeem? So that's what remains to be seen. For me, my fighter to watch is Jalen Turner. Look, this is a guy who we've actually criticized heavily But now I feel like he's starting to make some improvements, and I want to see how he he does with Tiago Moises because this fight's going to let me know a lot about if he's truly been improving or not because it's like, you know, it's one thing to lose to Moises. Like, let's say he's lighting Moises up, and then he gets caught in a sub. Okay, that's one thing. But, like, if Moises dominates him then that's a big red flag on Jalen's part. But on the other side, if Jalen comes out here, lights up Moises like he's supposed to, possibly gets a knockout or a dominant decision win, I feel like that's a huge step in the right direction. So I want to know exactly what Jalen Turner does with this opportunity because there's a certain way you're supposed to handle Tiago Moises. I'm curious to see if he does it. For that reason, he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, Overeem versus Sakai. They can follow you at MMA Genius 5 They can follow me at Best Fight Picks on Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official. On Instagram, ShaqBFP. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Uh, shout out to everyone that joined us on that live stream last week. That was a lot of fun. We look forward to doing more of those soon. Make sure you check us out at BestFightPicks.com. We appreciate all the support. And until the next time, Let's cash these bets.